Welcome to Waves of Change podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Lara. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Waves of Change podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. Today, I'm speaking with Lisa Stevens, who is the founder of Hope House Colorado. Hope House Colorado is celebrating their 20th anniversary. And what they do is they empower team moms and help them in their journey towards personal, educational, economic self-sufficiency. And they currently serve 250 teen moms, which is just incredible. I love, you know, hearing Lisa speak about um, how they welcome in teen moms without judgment. Um, You know, Lisa speaks about how she was a teen mom and how, you know, she relies heavily on, um, you know, relating with them and and the journey that they're going on um, and how at Hope House Colorado, they are welcomed with um, warmth and excitement and human connection. And a lot of the times um, when these teen moms walk in Hope House Colorado, how these are the first healthy relationships with um, with healthy adults that they're experiencing, which is just amazing. Um, you know, hearing Lisa speak about what these teen moms are going through, it really uh, just breaks my heart. Um, you know, as a mom myself, I just have such a heart for for not only moms, but children too. It breaks my heart to think about children um, not having adequate housing and, and supplies. And I just um, really love everything that they're doing. And I really love too how it's all encompassing. It's just not um, one thing that they're speaking about. You'll hear about how they, you know, started with housing and how it snowballed into all these other services because they realized that these teen moms needed all these other services. So I just love that. And you know, I can't help but think as as Lisa speaks to my to my own children and my own experience as a mom. And um, for any of you that are listening, and you know, you're a mom. You know, being a mom is the hardest job in the world. I'm not gonna lie. Um, you know, from childcare to making sure that you are are raising them to be, um, you know, good citizens, and you know making sure that they are clothed and have all their needs met. It's just so stressful. And I'm speaking from, you know, I know that I'm extremely fortunate that I um, come from a background of a great family and, um, you know, you know, uh, you know, well off, um, certainly in comparison to a lot of folks. And even so being a mom is so stressful. And so I can only imagine the amount of stress that these teen moms are going through with their, um, a lot of them with a background of poverty. And it's just amazing to hear about how they're really lifting themselves up. And I love that Hope House is partnering with them to get them towards self-sufficiency and a better future for their children. It's just so beautiful. So I will let you get to it. I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Lisa. So today we have Lisa Stevens from Hope House, Colorado. Lisa, thank you for being with us today. Absolutely. I was hoping that you could briefly describe the mission of Hope House, Colorado. Sure. So Hope House, Colorado exists to empower parenting teenage moms to become self-sufficient 
So basically we work with about 250 teenage moms from across the Metro Denver area. Um, and we have three major components of the programming that we do. We offer a housing support program, which includes a residential program on our campus. So we can house up to seven teenage moms and their children, but we provide housing partnerships for a broad range of additional moms. Um, our early learning and school age program, which is the program that supports the children of our teenage moms while the girls are either participating in our educational programs or um, meeting with a counselor or one of the other uh, support services we provide. And then our Empower program, which is a broad umbrella of all of the uh, what we call personal and economic self-sufficiency programs that we offer, which include a GED and college and career program. Um, uh, as far as that goes, we do individual tutoring, um, provide homework supports, provide um, supports with getting into college, staying in college. Um, and then we also offer help with legal assistance if a mom is working to figure out custody or parenting mm -hmm. for their kiddo um, and financial literacy um, support so our moms can learn um, financial literacy. And then on the what we call personal self-sufficiency side, that's all of the sort of emotional intelligence and um, personal growth and uh, more soft skills um, that are required for really being able to set boundaries in their personal lives with um, uh, learning how to have healthy relationships, recognize healthy relationships and maintain them and create boundaries in relationships that maybe are not healthy, um, including sometimes with family members, which are gonna just, those relationships exist in our life. Um, it's not like a, a boyfriend that you can say, we're not gonna date anymore, they're your parents. So right. you're um, needing to create some boundary. Um, and then we provide counseling and, um, uh, emotional supports through that program as well. I love it. I love how um, comprehensive all of your programming is. Um, it, honestly, uh, thank you. Honestly, it has just grown. We started out as a residential program and every um, piece that's been kind of added over time, we're about to have our 20th anniversary, um, is really just in response to the needs of the teen moms that we serve. So as we grew, we sort of realized, gosh, if we're helping them get a GED, then we would it'd be great if we can help them get into college. And then, well, gosh, once they got into college, they're struggling to stay in college. So they need <laughs> to do something about helping them to stay in college. Um, and it just sort of has kind of grown from there. We do focus a lot on partnership. Um, it's amazing that we're able to offer what we do, but it's impossible to meet all of the needs by ourselves. And so right. we do a lot of um, partnership with local counselors, local childcare centers, um, uh, automotive repair shops, just any kind of need that you can think of that our moms have, we're really building partnerships and then hopefully building the mom's relationship with that organization as well as with ours because their, their support systems are very, um, they don't have a lot of depth in their support systems and so they need a lot of healthy relationships around them. I love that. Um, could you describe about how Hope House Colorado was founded and that story of like how the idea came to be? Yeah, thank you for asking. So um, my husband and I are the founders of Hope House. We were um, teenage parents ourselves. We got uh, pregnant and got married when we were 17. So all of our um, wedding pictures, I'm smiling with my lips closed because I had braces still. And I didn't <laughs> want anyone to see that I was in braces when I got married. Um, so we've been married 36 years and um, probably that's as much of a miracle as any as a starting a nonprofit. But 
um, we basically really understood and and lived the experience that um, teenage parents live. And as a teen mom, I I faced all of the same kinds of judgment and stigma and shame that um, the teen moms that we work with experience. And so I just had a, a real heart for um, coming alongside them and making sure that they had a safe and a warm and a welcoming place to belong. Um, most of the times our, our mom our moms just don't have a place where they feel like they belong. They don't, you know, they walk into a grocery store with a baby on their hip. And even if people aren't intending to be critical, they get those looks like, are mm. you the mom or the sister or who are you to this child? Um, and, you know, at the playground, when you're out with other mamas, they're, they're giving you those questioning looks like, wow, you look really young. Um, and that's, that's if they don't actually say something um, that maybe is a little bit offensive or judgmental. And, and then honestly, doctor's offices are the worst. They constantly are um, getting the, the impression from the professionals in their lives, whether it's at school or, or at a doctor's office that um, you did it wrong. And it's, mm. this is, this is not the way that it's supposed to go. And so they're, they're living out what they think are the statistics. And um, unfortunately, people reinforce that um, intentionally or not. Uh, so we're dedicated to making sure that they have that safe place to belong where they feel seen and valued and heard. Um, and for for them to understand that the way we see them is that they are strong and intelligent and capable and overcomers. And I tell people all the time, if you want to hire a really good employee, hire a teen mom, because they can do 25 things at once. They're incredibly determined. They're full of grit. Um, they've taken responsibility and they want to grow and learn. I love that. That's so beautiful. It's beautiful that, you know, you and your husband are able to really relate to the people that you're working with and serving. Um, and it's a great reminder too, just as a, as a community and um, as a society to not, you know, pass those judgments because everyone's, you know, walking their own journey and um, right. yeah, we never know how our, how our looks or, or words are affecting others. So it's a great reminder. Um, so I know that self-sufficiency is, is a big um, part of what you do. Um, could you explain why that is important? Um, why um, it seems like you, your Hope House Colorado is intentional, not just being like a Band-Aid solution, but um, you know, really lifting the moms up. Could you kind of explain why yeah. that is? Yeah, thank you for asking that. Um, so we are, I guess what is primarily important is that our teenage moms, the girls that we work with are uh, probably 95% of them are working to break the cycle of generational poverty. So mm -hmm. these are moms who are, who have had generations that have experienced um, uh, brokenness within their family units, um, a loss of agency, a lack of empowerment. Um, they are oftentimes coming from almost always coming from backgrounds of some level of, of abuse, whether that's sexual or physical or emotional abuse in their homes. Um, oftentimes they have parents who were drug or alcohol addicted. Many times they have been the 
the little grown up in their house. So mm-hmm. maybe they're eight years old and they've got younger siblings and they've got a parent who is addicted and is not getting out of bed. And so they're feeding younger siblings in the morning. They're helping younger siblings to get ready for school. And they're also trying to wake up a parent to make them get out mm-hmm. and go to work. Um, so they're accepting these huge loads of responsibility very early in life. Um, many of them come from families that have never been inside of a bank. They don't bank. Um, mm. They um, have not had access to the types of things that as a middle-class um, person you've, you've had access to. So they haven't gone to the library. They don't have a, you know, wouldn't even know what a library card is. Right. Um, they're, they're really trying to They know that there's something different or better, but they're not sure how to access it and have never had, um, never had anybody really be that example or show them um, a path to self-sufficiency. And so self-sufficiency is more than just being able to pay your bills. It's having a whole and a healthy life, parenting in a way that is um, loving and has boundaries and is consistent um, having relationships that are supportive and encouraging and engaged, um, having access to uh, the supports that you need in life when things fall through. So if you're out from work for two days because your child was sick and you have nobody to watch your kiddo, so you have to stay home with them and you lose enough income that you then can't pay your rent, it's just this kind of cycle and you end yeah. up falling all the way down to the bottom of the self-sufficiency cycle just um because of something that was truly out of your control. And so what what we're here to do is really build and engage them in those types of relationships that will be those support systems for them. So ongoing, not just relying on Hope House, but learning to rely on each other, building community with each other, um, building community with um, their, their own, like not only their own friend network, which hopefully they're building healthy friend network networks at Hope House, but with our volunteers, with our staff, um, maybe a church that they've started to attend or uh, a community group that they've started to get involved with. So they're expanding their circles outside of just Hope House. Yeah, I love that. Um, I know you went through all of your services and programming um, at and you know they're vast. I thought we could maybe kind of touch on each one, starting with the residential program, which I think is the one that you started with. Um, yes. Could you describe um, what that is? I know that you said that you house seven moms. Yes. Yeah. So um, briefly, we I started out working with teenage moms through a support group through MOPS, Mothers of Preschoolers. Okay. And, yeah. Um, got got engaged with. So I went to MOPS as a young mom and just found that it was like life changing to have adult moms around me that you know somebody was taking care of my kids and I could have a like conversation where I could finish a sentence um, with another mom and it just was uh, powerful for me to be in, involved in that organization. Um, I became active in a leadership role in that organization. It was my first ever opportunity to lead. I was shocked they would even let me be in charge of something. So I think <laughs> I was all of 20. So it was like, wow, they, do they know how old I am? Um, but it was, you know, my first ever time of having a meeting or having somebody come into a meeting with an agenda. Like what is an agenda? Like I literally was learning the basics of leadership um, and organization through uh, MOPS International. And then when that organization started serving teenage moms, it was sort of a natural um, fit for me to move into leadership of a, we started actually the 
uh, Teenage Moms Mops group at our local church, uh, mm -hmm. a group of ladies and I that had been active in, in um, Mops. And that experience with that teen Mops group was so revealing and so eye-opening to me. Um, I grew up in a home that was fairly chaotic, but was um, definitely a middle-class household. And so I had not been exposed to some of the things that our teenage moms were experiencing. And then and now homelessness was a huge issue. So mm -hmm. we had all these, you know, parenting teenage moms that were coming to us saying we have nowhere to go. And we're living in situations where we don't even feel safe. And mm -hmm. as a volunteers, we were like, oh, well, you know, there's got to be someone out there doing something about that. So started researching. This was before computers and Google. So just started like looking around, trying to find organizations that maybe provided housing for teenage moms. And there were zero. Um, there are still no other organizations in Colorado that provide a residential program for parenting teenage moms. Mm -hmm. um, all of our housing options are for uh, moms who are over the age of 18. So that led to, gosh, someone should do something about this. And then, hey, maybe we should open a home for teen moms. And um, that was kind of the beginning, like, okay, well, if we're going to open a home for teen moms, what does that look like? Um, it, it was really this sort of miracle journey. Um, I honestly am the last person and least equipped to ever have started a <laughs> organization. Um, I often joke that my experience consisted of having worked at JCPenney's and done home daycare. Um, so <laughs> I, I didn't have a college. I still do not have a college degree. Um, really, honestly, I, I, this was for me, it was a calling. I felt like it was something that God was saying, yeah, really, I'm, I'm asking you, would you do this? And my job was to, was I going to be brave enough to raise my hand and say yes? Um, and that took some guts because I honestly didn't think I was um, at all equipped to be the person to do that. But I said yes. And I feel like uh, God was faithful to surround me with um, all sorts of people, amazing organizations, other organizations and amazing people who came around us to um, bring this vision to life. And that um, vision really included, um, at the time, how are we going to, you know, find this home, an actual house for these right. in? And we were just out talking to myself and the other ladies who had kind of had this idea. We were out talking to everybody we could about it. Eventually, we had a gentleman call us and say, um, hey, we'd had lunch with him to ask him how you go about building housing. And he called us and said, hey, we've got this piece of land that has a, a ranch house on it that hmm. we're planning to develop. And we're willing to let you get started in this home. Um, you can, you'll probably have about two years before you, uh, before we have to tear the house down in order to develop hmm. this property. So it was this great opportunity to get started and jumped at it, moved in, took in our first two teenage moms, finally had a chance to see if all that research and all these other programs we've looked into, like, how does all of this work with real life people? Cause we'd spend right. time, you know, thinking about how to do this programming and literally within nine months, they called and said, Hey, we, we're ready to develop to develop quicker than we thought. And so we're going to, we're going to have to tear that house down and you guys are going to have to find somewhere else to go. And I freaked out, um, had 
lots of words with God about <laughs> how that was, what are you thinking, you know? Um, and literally three days later, uh, this gentleman called me back and said, our board of directors has met and decided we will give you the house if you can pick it up and move it off of our property. So oh that, my goodness. <laughs> that was crazy, a big deep breath, like, okay, what? That's awesome. Um, it did actually give us an asset so we could get a loan against like the top mm. half of this house because it was a ranch and the basement's getting plowed under. So we get this crazy loan uh, through a through a lender that did housing loans uh, for one year. It was one year loan. So we had to get a bank to come in. We had to have our whole project finished within a year so a bank could come in and give us a real loan. Um, so we got a loan and thought, wow, we've got $100,000. We can buy land to move this house to. It's perfect. Totally naive. Could not. We had $100,000. Sounded like a lot. Could not find land. Couldn't find anywhere to put it. Couldn't afford anything. Um, really honestly we're had a I finally got a phone call from the realtor and, and she just said we're done like there's there are no options for you I had many more words with God about <laughs> what you give us a house you don't give us land I mean what are you thinking um and uh the next day I go into work to tell everybody we're gonna have to I don't know what we're gonna do shut the house shut the program down and find somewhere to go with our moms and got a phone call from this pastor of this church I'd never even heard of or had never met. We knew of the church because we had some volunteers coming to the house to bring laundry soap actually for our laundry room. And they had gone to their pastor and told him what was happening. He called me up and said, hey, are you the people looking for land? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, we have some we want to give you. And I'm like, who are you again? Like, I did not thank him. I think I probably just like sat there with my mouth wide open. And <laughs> It, it turned out, and this was the craziest thing, it turned out that this, this church was like six blocks away. Um, I'd driven by it before, but, you know, never, never been inside of it or anything. And they have this big field sitting next to their church hmm. and they had actually subdivided a small piece of that land 25 years prior before even this pastor had ever been there for a maternity home. Hmm. And so it was already zoned. It was already ready to ready to have a house put there. Um, and we, with that $100,000, had enough to get the house moved. And then just honestly had a kind of an old-fashioned barn raising from the foundation, digging of the foundation to the tiles going on the roof. It was all donated. It was all companies and vendors and trades that um, kind of along the way we had met through various churches or small groups or community groups, Rotary Clubs, Gowanus Clubs, um, that knew someone who knew someone and we'd have a need and we would, you know, reach out and we had literally everything donated. Um, the windows, the baseboards, the flooring, the drywall, all of it. Um, so that was the kind of crazy story of um, that. God's story of God giving us a a house and a land and land to put it on and um filling that house up with lots of mamas and and kiddos running around uh, <laughs> inside of it um and as we kind of were were you know learning how to do this in uh this new space um that had been built for us we started getting a bunch of crisis calls from teenage moms across our our Denver metro area who maybe didn't need housing but needed some sort of support and that was sort of the next step then um, okay we've got a we've got a home we have a, a home that is full um, we wish we had more spaces 
but there's still some some work that we could be doing. We could expand this a little bit if we if we started doing maybe GED. Um, so we started with a GED program and partnered with that church next door to um, utilize space in their building to mm -hmm. uh, classroom space to do GED programming. That's awesome. I love that story so much. It's just um, such a wonderful story of like faith and puzzle pieces yeah. just falling yeah. together. And I love so, that. So much so. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think what you were leading into is how um, the resource center came to be right after you received all those um, crisis calls. So what does um, the resource center do? What do you, um, you know, what programs are out of there? Right. So we, so as I said, we started with, you know, just opened up a GED program. We had a handful of moms, that handful of moms told more moms about Hope House and um, that GED program began to grow. That sort of led to, gosh, if we're getting their GED, maybe we should help them get into college, um, which led to our college and career program. So we, at, at probably at this point, we're serving 40 or 50 teenage moms at the church next door to our residential program. And um, the land that was just adjacent to our house that the church still owned went up for sale. So the church put this like additional acre and a half of land or two acres of land up for sale. And we, it, we just kind of sat back as a board of directors and said, wow, this could be an opportunity for us to do something additional um, and and build a place that are that where our girls could feel like they belong. And we love, love, love the church, but it still felt like to our moms, like I'm coming to this church for my GED um, programming. It didn't necessarily feel like Hope House um, because mm. it was the church and it was their church. Right. Um, so we saw this opportunity to build a place where our moms could feel like they belonged very similar to the residential home, um, but bigger. And so we started that process. We actually had a very miraculous donation that would allow us to purchase the property. Um, and part of the whole process of buying that property, it had to actually be rezoned. And so the rezoning process, at least in our city, took quite a long time. And we ended up in a sort of a rental space um, where we moved all of the program that we were programming, we were doing at the church into this rented warehouse space that was also donated to us, thank goodness. Um, and thought we'd be there one year while we went through the rezoning process and we ended up there six years. Wow. So we had this little tiny space, about 2,200 square feet. Um, our programming continued to grow there. So we grew from the GED and college and career to, hey, what if we provided some babysitting for the moms while their kids, you know, so they can bring their kids while they do their GED tutoring. Yeah, and awesome. once we started the babysitting in quotation marks, it was like, well, why are we doing that? We should at least be providing some learning experiences for the kids while mm. they're in our care. And that was the start of the early learning program and having a true curriculum and uh, doing assessment with the kiddos to see mm. where they were at developmentally and how could we guide their development and dream big maybe we could even even help them be ready for school when they start yeah school. that's awesome so we had one little room that we could do early learning in um and then that kind of just mushroomed into gosh we see all these supportive services that our moms need from counseling to financial literacy to uh, legal advocacy and um we added those things in small packages little pilots at first um, in this little squished 2,200 square feet of space that we had, we literally had like 
uh, one of those um, little counters that you see in an office building where they have a baby sink that's about eight inches by eight inches and a tiny little counter strip and a microwave. So yeah. you have girls like lined up to microwave their lunch all the way down the <laughs> hall. Um, and, and then we had, you know, the warehouse space with all of our desks lined up in rows around the um, perimeter and three folding tables in the middle of the desks that had the girls' laptops on them. And so we'd do three hours of GED and then put the laptops away and do a one hour parenting class over lunch and then put the laptops back up and do three hours of college tutoring uh, till dinner time and put them down and do an hour of um, healthy relationships coaching uh, during That's dinner. Awesome. So we're just like all squished in this little space and um, doing all the work to try to uh, rezone this land and develop it um, and uh, ended up having a, a homemade Colorado come alongside us, which is the, like the philanthropic arm of the home builders, um, association mm -hmm. in Colorado. And they, uh, came alongside us to help us build this resource center building on our land once it was finally rezoned. Re um, so we ended up building a 15,000 square foot resource center where we provide wow. all of the programming that I've just mentioned. Um, but we now have this enormous, amazing dining room so we can, uh, eat with our moms and uh, sort of eat as a family um, with our mamas. And the, the great thing is we have all this classroom space now on two levels um, so that we can be doing healthy relationship classes at the same time that we have a group of tutors downstairs working with the moms on GED and everything can happen at once instead of this, put the laptops away and do one thing and then put them back up and do another. Um, we put a laundry room in because we wanted them to be able to do laundry here and mm. not in a laundromat, which it feels so icky to have to go to a laundromat with your kids yeah. and sit there for three hours and try to entertain them. Um, so now they've got, they have this big room that the moms got to name. It's called the Mama Bear Cave. And <laughs> they will hang out in the Mama Bear Cave while their laundry's going. Um, and COVID disrupted all of that just a little bit. It was hard to do gathering during right. COVID, but, um, but it's a joy to see our moms back in the building and, and gathering in the Mama Bear Cave. And then we have dedicated space for the early learning program and um, dedicated space for uh, uh, what we used to call the, uh, basically it's in-kind donations. So all the clothing and um items that people donate for the moms. We now have a boutique where the moms can oh, cool. shop for clothing and uh, items for their babies and so forth. Yeah. I saw that you also are like, you ask for like car seats and, and gear like that, that yes. moms would need. Yeah. So some things we have to ask for brand new. Um, we have to ask for car seats and cribs brand new. And right. People are amazing. We, so we are supported 100% through uh, donors. We call our donors champions because they're champions of our mamas um, and uh, a few private foundations. So we have some uh, local foundations, Anschutz, um, Coors, uh, Buell foundations that provide some of our funding. About 12% of our funding comes through grants. The rest of it really comes through individuals. And mm. we're, we love telling the story to our moms about how you have a community full of people who, some of them are elderly people on a fixed income who are giving $15 a month because they believe in you that much. And occasionally it's somebody with quite a bit more 
money than that who can give a $30,000 gift and they believe in you that much that they're giving um, giving so that you can move forward in your life. Um, it's an amazing way to tie our champions and our moms together as a community. Uh, we really feel like there are a limited number of teen moms will ever serve because there just are a limited number of teen moms, but there's a limitless number of champions who can be connected to uh, those girls. And for us, uh, a limitless number of champions who can see God at work and how he does what he does, um, how he loves on people um, through those girls, which makes the moms not our client, not the one who needs a service. Um, there's a purpose to their life and the lives of their children. And they're just the central part of this kind of huge circle of, of work that's happening. Um, and it's not because they, they're the victim or they did something wrong. Right. They're actually building partnerships between people by their very existence. I love that. That's beautiful. It's a beautiful way to lift up these teen moms by letting them know they have this community of individuals that are are supporting them and cheering them on. And um, it kind of leads into what I wanted to ask you about too. I think one of, you know, I mean, you do so many important things. I don't want to say one of the important things, but I love that you're really creating a community for these teen moms. And I saw that you have um, social activities too that you host. I was hoping you could speak a little bit about um, what you do there. Oh my gosh, that's the most fun thing. So, <laughs> you know, we can, the, the, our mamas definitely come to us because they usually they call saying, hey, I need my GED and I heard you do free GED. And so mm -hmm. they kind of come through the door already a little bit defensive because that's their their mode is to protect themselves. And, right. Um, so it's so important that the first thing they feel when they walk through the door at Hope House is this warmth, um, mm. welcoming, non-judgmental, like we're here for you. We love you. We're so excited about you and so excited about your child. Typically, if you ask a mama to tell me, tell me your kiddo's name, they that's like the beginning of any conversation. What's your baby's name? Oh my goodness, they're so cute. Tell me about her or him. Totally. Um, that just kind of gets it going from there. But that connection, that human connection is something that is so lacking in their lives. Um, they have seldom experienced long-term relationship with healthy adults. And we believe that is how change happens, is through long-term relationship with healthy adults. So the social aspect of what we do is critical because it's the way that we bring them together. So if that's a pizza party at lunch, or we're going to do an ice cream so Sunday party to celebrate a mom who just got her GED, or we're going to um, host a Halloween party or a Mother's Day tea. Uh, we have kind of events throughout the year that bring our moms together into one room. So they're interacting with one another, um, getting to know each other, building healthy friendships and relationships with each other. Um, it is very isolating to be a teen mom. And most of our girls either, they either didn't have healthy friendships before they became pregnant or they lost the friendships that they did have during their right. pregnancy. Um, so meeting other moms who are experiencing the same things that they're experiencing is, um, I don't think they even know what they're missing until they meet other mamas and start to build friendships. And that's like, oh, this is awesome. I have someone who understands me. I'm not right. alone. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, meeting people who are literally experiencing what they are is, yeah. is 
is really key. I was hoping you could um, share a success story with us of um, yeah. a mom who's gone through your program. Yeah, I, there are so many, it's hard to even choose. I'm sure. Um, and not, and I, I should say not all of them are success stories. There are definitely mamas that unfortunately things just are, are so difficult in their life that, that they don't end up um, becoming as successful as we would hope. But one story that I absolutely love um, is a mom named Janelle, who I just am friends with to this day. She's like 27 years old now. But when she came to us, she was 17. Um, she came to, uh, to our GED program back when we were in that little tiny space. And she would come in with her um, her son and, and study for her GED. And she was pretty quiet. And it took a little time to sort of get to know her and get to... Um, kind of help her to come out of her shell a little bit. And finally, one day after probably three months, she confided in our GED teacher that she'd been staying in her car at night um, mm. with her son. And that in turn was reported to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I found this out. I happened to find this out on a night when we had a major snowstorm um, uh. coming to the Denver area. And I, I texted the mama, Janelle, and just said, hey, can we just get you in a hotel for tonight? And then we'll kind of take it from there, but we want to get you out of the snow. Um, and she was so grateful. She had actually, she has two little boys. She had both her little boys in the car with her, mm. got her some dinner, got them into a hotel for the night. Um, it, it just so happened. And it was just a wonderful thing that it so happened that we had room available in our residential program. So she applied for that program. We had her at a hotel for like three nights and then she moved into the residential program. She ended up finishing her GED. Um, she actually um, started college for uh, an associates in applied science and um, started going through a machine, a machinist program. Hmm. So it just so happens that my husband is a machinist. And, oh, cool. <laughs> um, so most people don't even know what that is. They think it's like an auto mechanic. So the fact that Janelle wanted to become a machinist and that just was like so um so awesome and interesting to both my husband and I um she did get her uh her associates she one day came to our college and career program and said hey um to our coordinator she said hey I got this like internship uh interview with this place called ball aerospace like I don't even know if I should go to it and her coordinator was like ball aerospace yeah you need to go to that interview so she ends up getting um, accepted into a, a like an apprenticeship program at Ball Aerospace. And uh, now four years, five years later, she has been at Ball for um, almost five years. Uh, she is married. She's a homeowner. Um, she is, I think, the only female machinist on the floor and loves, loves, loves being like the mother hen to all these machinist guys. <laughs> um, and her both her sons actually have a a picture one of her sons drew me when we moved into the uh, big resource center building he drew me this picture of all these moms throwing their ged hats in the air because oh, he had a, a picture of his mom doing that so cute. So i framed it it was the first picture that went on my wall in my in my office um i've never had an office until we moved here and so i had a wall to put it on um and it's just been a joy to watch her family blossom and and thrive um and I love that we, I mean, this, that really happened because Janelle is Janelle. She had the, she had the strength, she had the courage, she had the, the grit and determination to overcome really decades of um, patterns in her family that were 
addiction and, and domestic violence and things that she should never have experienced, but she had the, the grit to get through those and persevere. And we just had the privilege of coming alongside her and being a place for her to land when she needed it most. Um, and then just helping to open some doors for her because we all need someone to open a door. We all mm-hmm. need someone to say, yes, you should give her that apprenticeship. I promise you're going to not be sorry if you do that. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, I just love too that I think you said it perfectly is opening the doors, you know, of getting her in the hotel and helping her with housing and really just giving her that extra lift up so she could thrive. Um, I'd love to hear what you're excited about coming up for Hope House. Oh my goodness. Okay. So there's two major things I'm excited about. First and foremost, just on our campus here in um, Arvada, Colorado, we are um, halfway through a capital campaign, which is uh, not made public yet, but um, only because we're in the quiet phase of it. But we've received a a major gift, a $1 million gift toward the building of a childcare center um, so that we can provide full-time childcare. Currently, we provide um, early learning for three hours at a time while our moms are in GED or working on their college or uh, going to other classes that we offer, but we don't have any way to provide full-time childcare while moms go to school or work. So we are building a two-story early learning center. We'll have space for 100 children of our teenage moms um, so that their moms can work or go to school full-time. And we are so excited to get to build it to our specific vacations. Most childcare centers are, are pretty cookie cutter. There are, you know, certain spaces of rooms for licensing purposes. You can have so many kiddos Um, because we're, um, you know, building it from the ground up and it's not a franchise. It's our own thing. Um, We'll be building additional space for therapies that our children need. Mm. Um, We'll have space for occupational therapy, a huge multi-purpose room. We'll have a a therapist office for speech and, and, uh, or speech and behavioral therapy, Um, We have a dog therapy program that we can bring into our building um, and we're building all of our, like our play equipment and everything in such a manner that our kiddos who do have developmental delays um, are uh, really, they're going to have the best of what they need in order to help them um, grow through and and hopefully uh, develop uh, out of some of those um, developmental delays that they have. Oh, that's so exciting. I mean, childcare is such a huge burden for mothers, Uh, but I mean, especially teen mothers, it's so expensive. And then, you know, if you don't have childcare, how can you work or go to school? It's impossible. So that's really exciting. I I think it's probably true in other states, but Colorado is considered a child, almost most of the areas in Colorado are considered a childcare desert. So we have about um, 70% of the number of spaces available for childcare that are needed. So about 30% of parents um, cannot access childcare, which means they they can't um, they can't work um, until they can find a friend or a relative or somebody um, that would watch their kiddos. So wow. uh, so we're we're excited about that. And then our other um, really amazing uh, thing that makes me super excited, and I hope I'm. I'm 20 years in now and maybe have about another 10 years to go, but by the end of uh, the next 10 years, we will have built out a national affiliate model um, so that others can start Hope House homes in or Hope House um, resource centers in other parts of the country. So we have oh, that's very cool. our very first um, uh, affiliate in Northern Colorado opened last year in September. 
Um, we have one in Southern Colorado opening in March, and then um, our first out-of-state affiliate will open in Nashville. Uh, Hope House Tennessee will open in um, uh, early next year. So we're we're excited to be. These are all their own 501c3 nonprofit organizations with their mm. own boards. They do their own fundraising. Um, they're building their own communities. It's not a sort of a national model where we're like the national office, right? Doing all the training and equipping and helping them to launch and then coming alongside them as they get going. So hopefully it doesn't take them 20 years to get to the us <laughs> to get to. Well, it's nice because you're able to share your learnings and um, you know, obviously you know, the you know, teen moms need help, you know, throughout the country. So I right. love that. Wonderful. Well, I want to definitely give you a chance to let listeners know how they can help and how they can find you. Sure. Thank you so much for that opportunity. And just um, for those of you who are listening, thank you for listening and, and hearing and learning about our story and learning a little bit more about teen moms and the challenges that they face. Um, if you're interested in learning more about how you can help Hope House, you can go to our website, hopehousecolorado.org, O-R-G. Um, there are, if you happen to be local, there are uh, the drop-down button for volunteering. We uh, love, 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 and could not do what we do without our volunteers. We have about 400 volunteers a year um, who help us do what we do. Um, of course, um, financial assistance is always huge. Um, we rely strictly on donated dollars to be able to do the work that we do with our teen moms. Um, and more than anything, if you can open a door, just like we open doors for our teen moms, if you can open doors of opportunity for either um, maybe a Hope House affiliate in your, um, your community or um, opening a door for an introduction for us to someone you think could help us, that would be amazing. And we thank you so much for even considering it. I love it. Thank you, Lisa. Well, we end every interview with some fun rapid fire questions as just oh, okay. a fun way to get to know our guests. Um, so what is your favorite place in the world and be as specific as possible? Oh, I am going to say on my 25th anniversary, I got to go to Oahu um, for our anniversary and literally sitting on or driving down, I was sitting in the car, but driving down I don't even know the name of the highway, but it was like the North shore on one side of the car. And I swear it was Jurassic park on the other side. <laughs> of the car. So my head was like swiveling back and forth between this like completely turquoise blue water and white sand and Jurassic park out the other window. And it just was so incredible. I'd never been anywhere like that. We didn't get to travel a lot <laughs> as very young parents. So this was right. a big trip anywhere um, without kids. And it was uh, that boy, if I could just stand in the middle of the road and not get hit by a car but look back and forth between those two places I would do it oh that's awesome uh what is the last tv show that you watched oh well maybe I shouldn't admit this but stranger things it <laughs> it is so scary <laughs> but I, I keep, love it I keep hearing this the uh, most current season is very scary so I it's, haven't it's, watched it yet <laughs> it's a little scary but it, it made me not sleep so well but it was still so awesome <laughs> Um, and then the last book that you read. Um, well, honestly, the last book I read was Jim Collins, Good to Great, um, as for like the third time, because we're going through a, a some organizational, um, like we're changing our operating system. So part of the homework was to do, to read that book again. Nice. I'm trying to think what I read for fun. 
um I don't know <laughs> well I mean that I, counts that's a book so I'll take it <laughs> yeah um one fun fact about you um one fun fact uh well I'm a grandma at um 53 I have it's one of the fun things about being a young mom is you get to be a young grandma so yeah three beautiful granddaughters who are just the light of my life totally bring joy into my existence um so yeah that's my my favorite fun fact oh nice congratulations and the last one is your favorite quote Hmm. I'm going to say the, the Bible verse that we, um, have for our moms at Hope House, which we just recite for them. And I, I believe deep in my heart for them, which is Jeremiah 29, 11, yep. where I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, um, plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future. That's one of my favorites. I love that one. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much, Lisa. This was great. Thanks for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. Thank you so much for Googling and finding us. I love it. <laughs> of course. Thank you so much for listening to Waves of Change podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Lara. I would love if you would follow or subscribe our podcast, or would you leave a rating or review? Five stars is our favorite. That would help others find us, and we'd really appreciate it. If you are active on social media, please follow us at Waves of Change Podcast on Instagram. Even more, if you would share this episode on your stories, that would be wonderful. If you have suggestions or want to recommend an organization I should interview, email us at wavesofchangepodpod at gmail.com. Thank you. I'll see you next time.